Is it swear? Of course. Please. I, I, I encourage it. it come from also, my... burp in the mic if you need to. Smooth as eggs. bitch house this is the industry special welcome to episode 23 yeah 23 of the industry special podcast um i got two new people on people you've never seen or heard of i probably talked about one of them actually i probably talked about both of them um yeah i got a um shot dedication to somebody we're going to get into that but before that Patreon.com slash industry special if you want to give some money because I need it. I'm trying to try to get fucking Spotify. I don't know if you guys know, but Spotify is a lot of fucking money. Yeah, I'm passing up here. Fucking <laughs> SoundCloud is like $17 a month, but Sound- Spotify is like $100 or like and they used to be a quarter in, in this building. Right? <laughs> I think they still are. I thought they moved. They must have moved recently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Spotify used to be here. They got so much money, they fucking moved on. So, um, yeah, Instagram. Industry special, Twitter, industry special, Snapchat, industry special, everything's industry special. Industry special podcast at Gmail, all of that good noise. And uh, so we're going to have a shot for Aaron. She gave us $10. Half of that went to Jew since he was a government worker, wasn't getting paid. Shout out to him too. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. You got to take yours, too. I got my cousin in here. He's playing cameraman. Take the shot, dog. Come on. All the way. Knock it down. Knock it down. Come on. Come on. No be no punk. That was the same face I make when I drink His face. How was it? Was it great? Oh, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. All right. We're going to start this off by talking about the Edwardian ball. We talked about it last week, but... We got two people on who both worked, and uh, me and uh, actually I didn't introduce him. This is Devin. He also works with me. He's a bar back. He's been here longer than I have, so he knows all about this Edwardian shit. And we over here we have a newer <coughs> coworker. We have Veronica. I'll call her Voltron. <laughs> she is also a slash bar back. She's a hybrid. She's like um, she's like Bo Jackson. You know, Bo Jackson. Yeah, he, the first yeah. thing I think. Of. Yeah, baseball and football. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got we got a Bo Jackson on here. All right. Uh, so yeah, they both work here. If you guys want to say anything, what up? So no, nothing. Not even high. <laughs> it's uh, it's been a long time. Been uh, talking about doing this for like a year. So. I know for hell long. It's great to. We finally we did it. Yeah, I know. All right, so yeah, Edwardian Ball. We're gonna talk about that. Um, we, we all three like that. This is my third Edwardian ball. How many Edwardian balls for you now? Five. Damn. Four, five, five. I don't and know. you've actually attended they, an already Edwardian ball. Oh, and then outside I, of work, I went to. Well, okay. I think I've worked four or five, but then maybe like nine years ago, I went to one at the Regency, 
It's the first time I actually ever went to the Regency because I, I had a free ticket. And funny enough, I went there and I thought it was really lame and the <laughs> drinks were too expensive. So I went to the 101 Club and spent the whole time there. There you go. So there's that. Did I've you... never heard anybody say our drinks are too expensive. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. It's, it is ridiculous. <laughs> they're not too expensive. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're not too expensive. The $12 beer is years totally reasonable. Modestly priced. Um but then I actually went to an Edwardian ball in 1995 or 1990, yeah, 1995 in Portland. And it was obviously not the same thing as this, but it was the same idea. So it's interesting to see how it changed. Essentially in 1995, it was a, a goth club with a Edward Gorey theme. And that was this idea in Portland because there's lots of goths in Portland. So before we get into the history, I have a question. When you went to these Edwardian balls, did you dress up like how they do now? No. You went as regular old you, huh? I mean, what? I'm going to, I don't own that stuff, so no. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't see many other people who just came regular. They all seem to have the little get up, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we can get into that. I think there's a whole culture around it. Yeah, well, go ahead. Let's go. Let's, let's, all let's, right. let's go. Well, there. okay. I mean, so it's just, it's interesting. It's gotten kind of, so I believe it really starts with Edward Gorey. Edward Gorey was a American, I think he's American, um, children, children's book writer from the 1960s that was an illustrator. And he was well known as writing these. Is that the scary stories you tell in the dark? I believe, Books? yeah. Well, they're, with a real spooky illustration. I was just thinking yeah. something. I'm oh, like, let me look up this stuff. I know exactly mm-hmm. who you're talking about now. So, like, his books history, are like, but I didn't. He is for Alice that, like, hung herself and be, you know, so he has all these macabre. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out, the worms play pee and knuckle in your stout. Like, that shit. That's, and I think, I don't remember what it's called, but that's an Edward Gorey and, poem, I think. Well, I think that's an old poem, but yeah, very possibly put that into a book. Um, he placed all of it within this sort of late Victorian uh, era. So um, it's also it's very similar to um, hmm. um, like earlier works from the late 1700s and early 1800s that um, were these sort of morality tales for children to 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 not do bad. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, oh, the vinegar works. Three volumes of moral instruction. Yeah. So this is nineteen sixty three. It's being sarcastic. He is commenting on works that were in the nineteenth century that were literally about children um, dying if they don't follow the rules. It's this kind of Victorian thing. And Sounds so, like church. So he he made these these <laughs> these books that were. Um, you know, really liked because, and so especially a lot of goths because it's a bunch of like children um, <laughs> dying in this funny way. The Gashley Crumb Tinnies, there's a picture of it, yes. and that shit looks fucking <laughs> interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, great. Uh, so, Edward is great. I really am. Oh. I'm a fan. You know, he's great. He's also, he was also a. a oh, this a, isn't at all what I was thinking it was. He was <laughs> a, um, he was an illustrator for um, a lot of. Um, paperbacks in the 60s too i have a couple of it says that he was illustrated works as diverse as bram stoker's dracula mm-hmm. hgl's the war of the worlds and t.s Eliot's old possum's book of practical cats i also have a cover of uh, lermontov's a hero of our time which is a famous russian book from the early 1800s that he did a cover of so anyway 
Edward Gorey's great. Mm. He's a really fascinating guy. So it gets a little confused, though, because the Edwardian ball then also gets confused with the Edwardian era, which is similar to this Victorian era. It's, it's right after the Victorian era in England. So then people start thinking it's the Edwardian era. But it, it mainly really got... got um, it came together with this kind of Burning Man aesthetic as well. So you have like the steampunk idea from which I, I like the steampunk shit. I'm really a fan of that type of shit. Right, and that I mean that actually comes from the '60s as well. It's a literary genre that came together with Burning Man. Um, I think that seems to be the case. And um, so you have this this mixture of like early goth kids liking Edward Gorey that's mixing with these modern sort of goth hybrid Burning Man post-hippie sort of folk that uh, or also part of it is also techie culture is a, has become a big thing. Um, it's like hmm. a mixture between like pirate aesthetic and this like steampunk Edwardian era aesthetic. It's very Burning Man. Oh yeah. And um and so that's what's interesting to me about it. Um, anyway, I don't know if you have more questions, but I do have things to say about it. Go ahead. Keep talking. Well, yeah. I wanted to get into the history of it, and I know you know history way yeah, more than I, I know history. Well, okay. So here's my issue with it. And it's my same issue with Burning Man. I, Interestingly enough, I've always been a critic of Burning Man, but I have actually worked it, and I actually I dated two girls back-to-back who had the same name that were both uh, people that were involved in that scene. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I ended up spending years sort of in that world. And interestingly enough, I I, I know a lot of people. uh, When I go to the Edwardian Ball, I I see a lot of uh, old Yeah, you were saying like, oh, yeah, I want to work the lodge because I know some people up there. I was like, hey, but and they're and and they're unbelievably brilliant people, and they they do these um, these really brilliant and beautiful things, like really projects on a scale that I don't tend to see much in um, within my like. I come from like a fucking like a punk anarchist. Is it good to swear? Of course, yeah, yeah, right. please. I, come, I, I encourage I, it. I come from also a, burp in the mic if you need to. Yeah. <laughs> I come from like a like a punk anarchist um, world, and there's a certain like do-it-yourself DIY kind of cheap or just like make shit out of garbage kind of thing. And yeah. and uh, these folks have mastered uh, just they do they do huge things and huge projects. But part of that comes with funding, and so part of the funding then has come from the tech industry. And the tech industry is something I find to be very, very destructive in, in the Bay Area and also just in, in the post sort of capitalist like fucking mindscape of America. It's a big, it's a big Cancer problem. society. Absolutely. And so <clears throat> I went to Burning Man twice. I worked it one year and I went there for like two days and another year when I was dating these really brilliant women and one of, the, one of the things about the people I know from this Burning Man culture is that they are also huge critics of it but they it's like they grew up in it so it's like I don't know it's hard to say 
But the main thing, so the main thing about Burning Man and also the Edwardian Ball, the question I have is why? Like, what's, like what's the point? You have really, really rich people dressing up to do this thing and, so and make like these beautiful wealth, things. So we're like wealth, I feel, like flaunt, flaunt wealth and privilege in a sense, mm -hmm. like to just, I don't know. I think that that's exactly it. what it is. And because they're also heroizing this era, this colonial, this era of colonial Europe that is one of the it most was like dark destructive, and racist and fucked oh up. God, just full of genocide and horror. The fact that they t make it steampunk and make it outside of reality makes it like not real. But it's, I'm a historian, it's fucking real, you yeah. know? So to me, I just see like, just, just like oppression and horror there and i also see it's just a big party for yeah. rich white people to have a fucking and you know and and they're probably going to be like hey whatever why why be so fucking uptight about it because it's just a party but i don't know i don't feel like celebrating I'm, a time when like white europeans ruled the world and like ignoring all the dark history that goes behind it in a sense but also it's they're not even celebrating history they're they're celebrating a future history of some sort. Like if you go to Burning Man, they talk about it as this alternate reality. They say like, welcome home. It's a bit like the old deadheads here at the Warfield, you know, this some sort of like alternate reality where you can go and escape from life. Yet, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a frustrating thing to me because there's a lot of, of really brilliant and beautiful, huge, um, monumental pieces of art and, and a lot of creativity and I just feel like it's just done for a big party yeah and what's crazy is that when you were mentioning like you know how it started and like you know all this and all I ever thought about it just one big fucking rich eyes wide shut ass like just yeah. <laughs> just like a big elitist gathering right cause like a couple times I've seen people where I'm like, oh shit, like I know this person, right? And like I'm like, Elon Musk might be there. Or that's what shit. I'm like, somebody exactly. who's like, fuck, like I know this person, nobody else might know this person, but this motherfucker got money. And they're in here and like, you know, just fucking elbows to elbows with other people with hella money, but you're making it seem like it started off completely against all that, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, but now it's just turned into a big rich party. I've been to part, a party like that before, too, because my girlfriend works uh, in the tech side of kink.com, and I went to some weird science party with her that was just a similar thing. It was just a bunch of rich techies fucking with this giant Tesla coil flaunting wealth and showing like, oh, we can just throw a party around this thing that probably costs a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> I don't know. That's just kind of like the, the, the mindset with people like that, I think, is they just, like, want to party in the most flashy ways possible and flaunt that creativity, but it's also flaunting, like, the money that goes behind it because, like, you know, normal people don't have the money to make these crazy elaborate costumes. And they and also don't have money to rent out the whole Regency ballroom for exactly. a weekend. Even if there's nothing well, going the on there, Wasn't the owner of the Regency, of like, super into this shit, too? Because he I wouldn't know. got Devin, real dressed up. I don't know who owns the Regency. Well, isn't it who, who's that one dude that was that's in charge of 
Oh. That was explaining the cocktails and shit yeah, to us. Yeah. Oh no, he's just he's in our company. He yeah, he doesn't. But he oh, is he's a fan. Oh, this whole he's time I thought he was like one of the owners of nah. the Royfields and Regency. No, he just talks a lot of shit. Yeah, he's full oh. of shit as well. When yeah, he, seeing yeah, that guy in those tights was really traumatic <coughs> for me as a woman. The cane <laughs> killed it for me. The fucking cane, <laughs> and it had like a cobra's like neck on there. <laughs> I was like, not this fucking guy again. There's also like, classically, it's like middle-aged men hoping to sleep with younger women. Oh, for sure. That seems like that whole scene in general. Absolutely. A lot of creepers. It's pretty fucking creepy and weird. So now you've gotten both takes on this. Actually, before we leave there, any, uh, this is your first one. How'd you feel about it? I mean, I worked it at the cat club once before. You didn't work this, though. But no, yeah, it was definitely different. It was like on a much bigger scale a lot more hoity-toity than the version at Cat Club. The version at Cat Club was more so, like, for the goths, I feel like. And this, I don't know. It was just a lot, a lot of fucking really pretentious people, like, very, like, they were nice. And then a lot of them tipped well for the most part. But there was also just, like, some of the attitudes of the people was just too much. Yeah. Like, this girl's like, oh, you don't have wine? Oh, they already sent me around three other bars. Just give me a cup of ice. I'm overheating. Like, it's just... It was really diva-esque. <laughs> Get to the 101 club, man. Seriously, get all the wine you want. And it was just annoying, too, <laughs> <Three> because... <bucks. laughs> $4 wine. <laughs> <laughs> the manager, like, on, like, a working it aspect to work a bar that had no booze except for absinthe and wine and these stupid fucking cocktails, like, really screwed us over on money. And the manager was like, oh, yeah, I'm putting you in Yellow. here for, like, aesthetic reasons. Yellow. Like, this is going to be a, a high-volume bar. I'm like, a high-volume bar, and you're not giving us any aesthetic alcohol? Aesthetic reasons? Yeah. Straight up, like, said Sounds like, some what, shit like what, that. what fucking century is this? Exactly. No, dude, this industry is so Creep misogynistic shit. at the end of the day. Like, yes, sometimes you get special treatment as a woman, but sometimes you're just placed in a certain bar because of the way you, that you look. That's bullshit, man. It is. It, it, it really is. But, uh, yeah, it, it, like, it was a fun event to work, but it sucked, like, having such a limited bar. It made it, like, hard to make more money. And if you were expecting a bar to be high volume because it's right next to the photo booth, like, wouldn't you give people more options for alcohol so they're not leaving and going to another bar or getting pissed off because, like, they can only order absinthe or some, like, shitty pre-made cocktail that takes no effort? <laughs> you guys had mixed cocktails? In the blue room? Yeah, that's all we had. We just had the mixed cocktails, and absinthe. absinthe, and wine, but we ran out of wine the first like 30 minutes of the event. I'm like, if you're going to like have a sponsored wine thing, wouldn't you like have enough of it to get through two days of we an event? We never have enough of it, right? <laughs> Every year. Very limited on the vino. Well... But yeah, no, it was it was an interesting event. I had I thought the one at Cat Club was cooler because you could actually see everything that happened. The like circus performances were like kind of neater. Yeah, we used it, to have that. It was it was kind of a it was kind of a boring. It was dull the fuck down. Because man, there really are some outrageous things that have been there. Uh, Dex, do you remember the the woman in the big dress? Yeah, that, that was two years in a row. You guys about that one. And it had two little people opening the door up, and it was one of our bartenders in there. And I think they were just pouring pre-made drinks. Gin. It was like these gin drinks. Yeah. yeah. Just one drink. And yeah. You walk in so, there, and they're like, open the door for you. Come on in, sir. That, that's like, pretty funny. There's a woman standing on a thing. Yeah. 
with a huge bustle. And you go and in you her go dress. under her dress. And get your drink on. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and that woman was up there for All every night, night for, yeah. for hours. And uh, she probably had a, a, a colostomy bag, you know. <laughs> I mean, because that's, I mean, that's, that's crueler than us working all night long. Also, just being like being in, in, in character for that long. Yeah. Fuck I feel like these people live for no it, break. Though, dude. Like, she probably got water, but <laughs> she couldn't leave. I hope. What's she going to do? Let me climb down. I hope she's real part quick. of a union. There's like a union of people. Edwardian that have union. Huge dread. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure it's the same thing as the people that work at the like, what is it, the old colonial reenactment things and all that shit. Oh, no, 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 no. They got all the benefits over there. <laughs> Trump is making sure of it. Oh, Speaking for sure. of, you guys want to talk about the wall? Oh, God. What now? I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, what, what's the newest thing? That he uh, <coughs> he tried to shut down uh, the government. Well, he did shut it. down the government. Yeah, shut the government down, try to pay for it. Then he's like, oh, I guess that's not going to happen. I and thought he was such a great businessman. Where, where's his negotiation skills? He he got that money. He didn't build that money. I mean, it's a. It's been you know obviously it's been talked about a lot. It's to me the wall has always been uh, the symbol. It's not a real thing. It's like he's never really talked about it as That's a real thing, is. you know. So you know it's a symbol that that anti-immigration. Um, nativist racists, you know, a, white Amer- a lot of white America is freaked out about this demographic change of them losing their um, power over the last fucking 200 years and 200 plus years. And this idea of the wall is, uh, is purely this symbol. And so it's like, I was thinking about this. Really, it's true. What fucking country builds a wall Germany. On their border, Germany, and they made yeah, a border. Isn't there a couple they of well, yes, they, yes, yes, you have. Yeah, made a border, right? Has yes. the border. You have. Well, yeah, those are also two countries that just split. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have the you have the Great Wall of China. Yeah, you have the wall, in the Warsaw. You know, yeah, and the in 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 Germany, which was between the two powers after World War Two. You do have a, you have, you have a lot of walls in Israel, Palestine. Yeah. Um, and none of these are are real shining examples of anything that um, works or is a good idea. And it's just this remarkable. Uh, anyway, I just it's it's the way it's the way that things are going though. I think uh, unfortunately, I mean to get. There's like that GoFundMe for it too. You guys. See oh that yeah, shit? and they gave everybody their money back. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. We can't have. No, you can't fund something that's not going to even that's not even going to happen for one, and is not even sanctioned to be allowed to happen. It's just a it's just a thought. It's and there's always that old tired ass argument from the other side too. I was actually arguing with my friends back in Reno because you know they, oh, no. they 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 they're not huge Trump supporters, but they think oh man, you know maybe it'd be a good idea. And they're always just like, well, would you would you leave your door unlocked and open for anybody to walk into your house? Like that's always the argument to it. I'm like, do you have anything other than that for this? <laughs> so we had a guy on the podcast uh, after Larry. He kind of frequents this place a little bit. Some people may know him. I want to put him on blast. But after having him on the podcast, he was talking to me. He walks up because he just kind of hangs around this place. 
And so he comes up and talks to me every once in a while I'm working. I'm kind of like, oh, you know, I'll talk to him even though I'm like trying to work. And uh, he was talking to me. He said, oh, Mace, I'm having a horrible day. And I was like, oh, it's that damn Trump again, huh? And he's like, well, Trump's not that bad. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I had you on my fucking podcast and you're talking about Trump not being that bad. And so he starts talking about uh, immigrants and this. And he's like, you don't want them coming and taking your job, do you? And I was like, well, how the fuck you don't know I'm an immigrant, for one. And two, if somebody's going to come and take my job, it means I'm probably not doing as good as I should be. Or I didn't get another fucking job. Yeah, That's just life. You're not going to have the same job forever. Like, shit happens. I'm not worried about somebody else outside of this country coming and taking my job. I'm worried about your ass taking my job. And you're already here. Like, I'm not worried about that type of shit, right? And so he just kind of like, oh, sorry, backed off. And I'm like, well, no, what the fuck? Like... No, I'm not worried about that. No. Let anybody come in this motherfucker. If, if they come here and fucking break a law, so we have the law for. Not trying to keep people out of here. People have been coming in here for fucking 600 goddamn years. I'm not going to stop Yes, them how now. do you think your family probably got here? Like, my, my dad's side of the family, my yeah, Italian side like, of the family like, immigrated here. You're in Mexico like... right now. Yeah, he pissed me off. Yeah. But that just tells you, like, he's been living here his whole, well, most of his adult life, and he's still thinking that shit. Well, that's uh, that old school mentality. A lot of people think that way, and especially when you get, like, outside of big cities, you, it's scary how many people think that way because they don't, it's not that they don't know any other way to think. They're just surrounded by people that are just as ignorant as they are, and nobody's yeah. trying to grow or learn. That's why when I go home and I, like, have conversations with people that I grew up with, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, you're stuck in like years from years ago. Well, I'm too high. I can't even talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the fire that up again. You're not going <laughs> to fire that up no more? Maybe. Maybe a little while. Uh, but they're just stuck in this like old school mentality. He wants some weed. That's why I was saying that. Look at him. He Look at him over there. You need to smoke? I tried to, I tried to pass it to you. You didn't want it. <laughs> you didn't try to smoke? Cut them dreads off then. Rasta man. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're talking about uh, that, let's talk about you some more. Oh, shit. Where are you from? I'm from the trailer park. Biggest trailer park in America. Not anymore. Literally? It, it, was? it was at one point in the world record books. Sun Valley, Nevada is the biggest trailer park Sun in Nevada. Sun Valley, Nevada. And it was definitely a big-ass trailer park when I was growing up. Now now they got some houses, so it's nicer. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a weird place to grow up, though. Like, 90% of the population's on methamphetamine or cooking methamphetamine. 90 that's that's maybe a rough estimate, but I feel like it's pretty accurate. Hey, I'm going with you. I, 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 hey, like most people, like had broken down cars in front of their house. Like your aunties living was it in like the trailer, trailer park in the boys, back. Like 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 the the TV show. So I never actually watched that oh, show, that's hella but hella people in Sun Valley did watch that show. Yeah, it was it was Probably a weird a place to grow up, <laughs> and it was it was even weirder because at the time when I was a kid and. They, they tried to make it so the Sun Valley kids would have a chance, right? So they'd send them all to the nice neighborhood to go to school, which really just fucked shit up even more because, you know, it's poor kids get targeted no, no matter where you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Yeah, I was, I was a shithead kid doing a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> and so how long have you been uh, out here in the Bay Area? Uh, going on eight years now. It's been a while. I came out here when I was 19. Why? Is there a specific reason why you came out here? Um, I was dating this dude at the time uh, that lived out here. He was kind of, I guess, a high school sweetheart. Like I met him at this coffee shop that I used to do open mic at, 
and then he moved out here and we started dating when he moved out here and I ended up moving out here to be with him. We were together for like four years. He sucks a lot. Damn. <laughs> Question about that. So how often living in Nevada did you come out here? Because uh, not that I would far. come out here like once a month, if not more. I came yeah. out here a lot. The first time I came out to San Francisco, other than being a kid and going to the zoo or whatever, uh, was to go to Pride when I was hanging out with this group of girls that I was really good friends with that I'd have our little crew tattooed on my knuckles. What's it say? <laughs> Billy girls. It means because I love you, girl. It was just basically a bunch of just drunk bitches. <laughs> All right. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it, was like it was like a party crew thing. But yeah, we came out here to go to Pride and I just like fell in love with the city and, you know, there's not really like a whole lot of opportunity for like... A high school dropout with a criminal record <laughs> in Reno, Nevada. And out here, you can kind of make a name for yourself and, and find a spot if you just have a good hustle and you have a good mouthpiece, I guess. Like, Oh, oh we got game over here. Huh? I mean, fuck, dude. Like, <laughs> y- you got to be able to like hype yourself up and talk to get a job out here, I feel like. Not here. Well, not at the war field. Yeah, I literally, <laughs> dude, to get the job here, princess, like, Gave Eddie or told Eddie that I was going to apply. And she's like, yeah, just call this number after you send your resume. And I just call. And, and Eddie's like, oh, who's this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll send you some shifts. But you answered? Yeah. Like, Remarkable. literally, I said, like, two words to him. Us. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're Princess Nerd. Okay, cool. I'm just going to send you some shifts. I'm like, oh, I don't need to do, like, an interview. Do you want to see my ID? Make sure I'm, like, 21. Nothing? Okay. <laughs> I don't think they checked my ID for the first, like... <laughs> Two months that I worked I didn't get paid for two months when I first started here, so I doubt anybody looked at anything. I was on their ass, dude. Everyone told me, like, you know, make sure you get paid. Make sure you get paid. So every day I'm like, okay, I need to get paid. It's my only job. Best bounce checks, <laughs> BBC. Wait, bounce checks? Best bounce checks. That's written on the wall in the hell fridge. It, it's um, <laughs> basically bounce checks. Basically bounce checks. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what our company stands for. Not big black cocks. <laughs> basically bounce checks it, all right yeah so that's um that's nevada for us yeah it sucks <laughs> so uh we're gonna get into Devin. so not only are you a barback but you also do other things on the side what do you what do you do i know, um, I know you're into yeah music been... and literature and all these good things yeah i mean i have been a musician and don't be modest come on i've well, Spread your I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I, I've played in in bands that um, would attract twenty people in San Francisco or the Bay Area, but ended up getting a little bit of a following in Europe. So I got to do some tours, um, and that that's always been fun. But mainly, I've been uh, trying to be a writer. I'm a historian. I went to grad school for a bit at SF State, although. Dropped out right before I got my degree because it was going to cost me a bunch of money to get the degree. And I realized that uh, I actually realized that I don't even have a college diploma because I went straight into grad school. <laughs> so I'm not actually technically even a, a co- I have any sort of degree. Anyway. So what um, they have allowed you to get So who cares? Well, I don't know. It just, it just <laughs> doesn't really matter. Yeah, doesn't. I'd have to spend like a few hundred dollars to get it. And I just, at this moment, I don't see what, you know. 
I, you know, I don't think so far the bar, the Warfield has been asking about my college degree yet. I, I highly doubt it. Yeah, probably not. But um, <laughs> the new management—you never know—they might start digging into everybody's <laughs> yeah. history. Well, it's possible. It's gonna be up on a binger. <laughs> Late night on fucking, what's that website where you can creep on people's lives? Facebook? <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, actually, fucking, one of the barbacks found him on Facebook, and we were, like, all looking at his pictures, like, what the fuck? What? Yellow. Yeah. My goodness. Yellow. Um, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so um, I started working here uh, because... One of my best friends, someone who I consider a brother, uh, was working here, and he came out of a similar sort of punk anarchist scene as me. We met in Philadelphia fucking years ago. He was 18. Is that where you're from? No, no. I'm from here. Oh, well, I'm from Santa... Oh, I, I was born in Colorado, but I uh, grew up in Santa Cruz. My dad lived here. And so I lived on the East Coast for a long time because, you know, when you, you want to leave where you're from often. But then uh, this guy, Boche, brought me back um, out of a bad situation living on a farm up in the Catskill Mountains. And, New York? Um, yeah. Oh. And, that, was, uh, that wasn't great? It was a bad relationship. Ah. And, uh, and we were actually... Um, competitive over this relationship uh when i first met him and then interestingly enough he's the one that drew me out of it and uh brought me back here um this was in 2003 so it's quite a long time ago but um and then uh bochi got a job here from our like punk connections in uh san francisco and it was a good job and he was living with me at the time and he was making so much money you know he had this like drawer full of cash I remember those good days back in the day, and I used uh, to have multiple shoeboxes full of money. Yeah, man, the good uh, days. Also, we got all of the, we got all of the I credit card those. tips yeah. in I cash. I used to hear about that. You so guys are probably just, walking out with like five hundred a night. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So yeah, old Boche, and um, and uh, yeah, he got me this job, and I've. And I sort of supplanted him, I guess, for a bit of time. And he actually tried to come back. And uh, Bruce and Eddie were like, nah. Yeah, I remember that. He popped up for like two days. I had never seen him before. He he had told me about him all the time. And I saw him. I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, everybody was like, yeah, I don't think so. It's funny. (laughs) He's a really good barback, but um, he, he ended up being a little, I don't know. I actually don't want to talk about Boche. Yeah, that's not. But uh, anyway, that's how that's how I ended up with this job, and um, but it's ironic. So it's like you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a San Francisco historian, especially a, a social historian, and especially within this era between like 1890 and 1920, and this happens to be really rich with the Warfield and the Regency are both buildings from this era. So, uh, for example. Uh, one of the things, remember, like, we used to do load-ins, and I'd go to the library. Yeah. So it's like what I'd do at the library is I was trying to go every day through this this newspaper, the San Francisco, the San Francisco Bulletin, um, part of my research. And what I found a bunch was the Regency. Damn. 1916. 
19 motherfucking 16, the Regency was always doing stuff. Concerts. It's the same fucking thing. You know, there's this, this, this elevator at the Regency is from that era. So when we're, yeah. you know, we're fucking riding this shit with the ice and, and or fighting over who's going to f- whatever part of the building has to use it. Same shit was happening 100 years ago. Uh, well, except for the same mechanics, you yeah, know? yeah, because it's a it's a hand cranked thing. I think it's the oldest working. It is, yeah, it is elevator in the in the Western United States. Wasn't the Regency like the first building built after the earthquakes yes. or something? You, I think you told me that. Um, it was it was also it was this Masonic Hall, but it it was also a place where there was huge rallies for uh, political campaigns and whatnot. Um, but okay, so this really cool advertisement and I, i'll get it to you you can put it on the website or whatever but um it's the scottish tenor who was singing alongside a phonograph you know an old record yeah. player of himself so this is early multi-tracking yeah and this is wow. 1916 and this is advertised he's singing at the regency he's singing Harm, harmonizing over himself over a phonograph. And this is before amplification. So yeah, yeah. Think about that. I mean, that's so all. he was Olafur Arnold's way before. Yeah, Did you see the, the, the DJ at the Edwardian Ball that had the phonograph on top of his old DJ setup? So it looked I like he was playing it. music out of that. I and didn't see that. One. But that's yeah. perfect because they're they're drawing to that era, but. None of those guys are. I mean, I'm 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 an asshole about history, so I'm just okay, constantly being like be <laughs> to those guys. I'm like, oh come on. I mean, whatever. We already talked about that, but um, yeah, exactly. They're they are actually drawing from what was going on. It's just remarkable that all these concerts are going on at the Regency, and they still are, and that there's this continuity. Yet, I wonder if that was like a nod to that show at the Regency or if that guy probably was just no, doing it for show and shit. You would need to have to have gone through every day of the newspaper in 1916, I think, to know that. Yeah. I mean, sorry, but the... Like, no, go ahead. No, there, I mean, there just isn't much of... There isn't a lot of knowledge from that. Um, there is a Masonic Historical Society. So I'm actually going to do a talk in early March at the Old Mint for something called San Francisco History Days. Um, about my, my book that I wrote. Is this open to the public? It's free, yes. You hear that? What When is it? March, I have to look it up. March 3rd and 4th, I believe. I have to look it up. At the uh, San Francisco Mint? At the Old Mint, which is 5th in between Market and, and Mission. San Francisco Days, SF History Days. They're, it's, it's really... That's where the Mint, between 5th and 6th? Uh, on 5th Street between Market and Mission. Really? That huge ass building. Yeah. It's fifth, right? Yeah. Right down the street. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. I thought, th- I thought I'm not, when I'm thinking the man, I'm thinking the one over there by. No, no. This is the old mint. Yeah, I was thinking up by the Safeway or yeah. whatever. That's what that's, I was thinking. That's of. the, the new mint? current mint. I thought that was the old mint. They still make money there? Yeah. Oh, shit. Huh. No, man. Ow. Even walk down Fifth Street. The old mint is the only building that survived the earthquake, other than the Chronicle building. 1906 earthquake and fires it's an unbelievable building and it hasn't been open to the public and you can't generally go in other than well if i'm not working there i'm fucking going so i can get you can give me a tour of that shit let's go 30 minutes early well and these masonic historians will be there and they used to own the regency and so they know all the history like that fucking trap door yeah 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 all that shit trap door 
in the lodge has a trap door. There's a trap door. Oh. I've never for even been in the lodge. In the ceiling. They fucking it's it it's that's, where see that's what someone had told me some like crazy shit about. I didn't believe it until like that. They showed me. Yeah, what yeah. The they actually put a carpet over it because like, it's creepy as shit. Where where the lodge is, right? Sure. There's another floor up there, above that. Oh, we're going up there next time. And there might be another floor above that where the probably is where the elevator just doesn't go to. And it's I, probably something. Above I believe there. that they hung effigies. Yeah. I don't think they. I hung doubt they people. hung real people because who but the fuck's going to be? I mean, old San Francisco hung. People all the time. I thought they hung them. Hung people. I thought they hung them in the fucking in, inside, though, right? In some fancy ass building. 1856, they hung them outside the building, right across the street from the Embarcadero uh, Theater. If you go to that, ever, ever go to that? Um, 1896, it, they used to hang people. 1856. 56, There's a Walgreens okay. right there. Used to be a building, famous hanging that happened where they just fucking put a plank out. Damn. Jesus Christ. Um, so that shit certainly happened. Fuck. And you can learn all about it. History so days. Do you know anything about the history of like all the old uh, graveyards and shit and how being uprooted and yeah. well, they just everything they, got moved to like what, Colma? Yeah, to Colma. I oh, heard, they just dug I up everybody and moved them to Colma? The... Yeah, like um like shit. like Dolores Park yeah. was a graveyard. There's graveyards all over. Isn't and there still there's still a Graveyard somewhere, like a military graveyard. Well, Presidio. Presidio, there we go. Mm. Presidio was federal land until, what, the 90s, I believe? Damn. So um, that's always been um, really separate. That's fucking wild. I heard the cobblestones uh, out at that beach out at Fisherman's Wharf is all made of old tombstones. I don't Hmm. know if that's true or not. I don't know that. Creepy. (laughs) Not sure about that. That's yeah. fucking crazy. So they so they just dug up everybody from everywhere so that they could get rid of the so and, any of the space. And why? Yeah, fucking real estate. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Sound familiar? Got rid of the dead. Now they're getting rid of the living. Mm-hmm. Shit. Same with what's happening here. Like. No, they're turning the living into the walking dead with fucking... That's the tenderloin. The drug epidemic. So also, before we go into anything else, I know you know a lot about the tenderloin. A lot more than probably most people who even live... Or walk around the Tenderloin. And the Tenderloin's interesting. People who aren't from here, just in case... There's a few people who listen who aren't from here. The Tenderloin is like the most like... The skid row of fucking It's a skid row, but it's like not a row. It's like a fucking... It's a neighborhood. It's about, what, a third... Not a third, but probably a fifth of the city, Downtown. maybe? Or, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty big area. It's a big it's area. It's from here to like... Fucking once you get up like up on the hill before like Knob Hill before you're like going down into like Marina and shit, right? And uh it's just it's gotten a lot better, but it's like just drug use and robberies and park your car there. If you have a fucking like this is where Dave Chappelle had a whole comedy skit when he did out here and he said the tenderloin and he was like, I stumbled in that tenderloin, there's nothing tender about that. And he was saying he left a candy bar in his car and somebody broke in. And he said he went to a Starbucks on the corner right. and he had never saw crack smoke so casually. They were sitting on the corner at Starbucks smoking crack <laughs> and talking politics. <laughs> and everything about that could happen. This is not a joke. Like, it's a joke. Mm-hmm. It's funny, but this happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have uncles who smoke crack and drink coffee like casually every day. Like, <laughs> that's what it is. So that's what the tenderloin is. But I know you know a lot about that. And you're talking about like possibly pitching a show or a movie. Was it show or movie? Um, a TV show, yeah. TV show, yeah. That's what. So this is how I work with. The motherfucker has books that he's writing and has written 
And he's also pitching a TV show about the Tenderloin. That'd be like, if that wasn't a TV show, that'd be like the best video game in history, right? <laughs> Grand Theft Auto Tenderloin? <laughs> yeah, like, but like 19, <laughs> the next GTA. 1928 or some shit, right? No, it's 1906. 1906, yeah. even better. Like, once the fucking, uh, okay, well, once the earthquake happens. Yeah, so the term the Tenderloin um, isn't a San Francisco term. Um, it means a vice district. So, you know, there's a tenderloin in Chicago, there's a tenderloin in every city, New York. Um, the Bowery was the tenderloin in New York. And it, it's, it meant, so it seemed, that, it, that cops that worked in that neighborhood could make enough from, from graft, from bribery, that they could buy a nicer cut of steak. That's the idea. So they're getting chucked. They're coming so home with a tenderloin. Coming, yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, and whatever. To try to make this real brief, because historians just go on and on. But, um, you know, in the 19th century, there was this idea that areas of the city had to be segregated, where prostitution, gambling, and these kind of things, vice districts had to exist so that um, it'd be sort of like a, a safety valve within a city. And um, so that's, and they existed from, with corruption with City Hall, with corruption from paying off the police, paying off the you know, local politicians. And so, you know, such, that's how things went. San Francisco was a little bit different in that, like, all of San Francisco was a vice district when it first started out. It just was how it was. Uh, so there's been a long struggle over this concept of San Francisco being, what is it going to be? What's its identity? Is San Francisco the, the capital of the West? Is San Francisco, uh, you know, that really happened with L.A., but that was really quite recent. Yeah. You know, L.A. didn't really be, come into prominence until about the 1920s. Before that, San Francisco was the city in the West. Yeah. I saw my mom, and she's always telling me, like, the reason why they call it the city. Like, if you're from here, anywhere, you can be from Sacramento. Say, going to the city. Absolutely. Everybody says, San Francisco. You yeah. don't have to say San Francisco. You say, I'm going to the city. It's like New York, yeah. Because, yeah. like, it was the only fucking city for so long. Like, even L.A. now is a city, but it's not like San Francisco. It's spread out everywhere. Like, L.A. is just fucking huge. San Francisco is very small. Yeah. You can go from one side to the other. In a fucking what forty five minutes if there's no like traffic. Seven by seven or yeah. something, right? Seven miles the, by seven miles or something like that. The population hasn't really changed that much. It can't change. It's not. I yeah. mean, you can build these big ass buildings, but it's just not enough. Just it's very small. It's always been a, under a million or around a million yeah. for a really long time. But anyway, so 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 this idea of the tenderloin is. Um, goes back to like these old gold rush days of San Francisco. It's like, what is San Francisco? Is it going to be, you know, this, this, uh, this sort of, uh, imperial city or is it going to be this kind of wild old West city? I mean, the thing is people always came out to San Francisco that were rejects, that were freaks that were, that didn't feel like they belonged. And that just has always been a thing. Yeah. So as more money in, has been coming in recently with this tech boom, you know, I mean, fuck. Now it's just rich rejects. I mean, <laughs> literally, ones. I yeah. don't see, yeah. I used to yeah. see my friends all the time and I don't anymore because they're all fucking gone. I have a, 
place that I can live where I still live here. But that's... yeah, all the people, nobody can afford it anymore. Like nobody that thrives off of like a creative nature can make it out here because it's just you have to have ridiculous amounts of money. <laughs> Seriously. But like going back to the side of it, the tenderloin is that the tenderloin has been, they've tried to destroy the tenderloin. There used to be an area called the Barbary Coast that was called the downtown tenderloin. What we now call the tenderloin is the uptown tenderloin. The downtown tenderloin, Barbary Coast, if you go there now, you don't recognize it. It's not tenderloin at all. What, what, what part it's, of that it, is It's now? in between like North Beach. It's like around Montgomery Street, Kearney Street. Where it's, all like the, oh, so the financial shops district. are and stuff. It's roughly the financial district. It's between North Beach and the financial district. That was one of the most infamous areas in America. I so mean, like in between North Beach financial district and Chinatown almost, right? Yeah. That little... and, and a lot of, of Chinatown. And, um, they, and that shit's gone. They've eradicated it. Damn. But it moved here. Yeah. It moved to the Tenderloin. And so I understand that the Tenderloin's distressing. Because it is. I mean, it's rough, man. But I also have this, like, I think the Tenderloin is the only thing that could save the city. Seriously. Because if you, if you get, the Tenderloin Museum is a, is a recent place that, that, deal, that uh, is a museum of the Tenderloin. Um, they have, they, one of the things that they have, um, they have like a t-shirt that's, that is a Herb Cain quote. Herb Cain's an old, um, writer for the Chronicle that died in the nineties. He was right. He, he was yeah, right in the fifties to, yeah. But he said, uh, a city without a tenderloin is no city at all. And there's something to be said for that. It's like, uh, I don't know if you were to go to like Carmel, for example, which is, uh, isn't, uh, Clint Eastwood, the mayor, yeah, he yeah. used to be yeah. the mayor. And that was like a bohemian. I mean, the amount of people that went through Carmel, if from the 1800s through like the 1950s, 60s, 70s, is this? It's this incredibly like vibrant artistic community that had all sorts of weirdos, and it's a this bohemian like beauty. But you know now it's just rich ass motherfuckers, yeah, and it just sucks. And so is San Francisco going to really become that? It's like, it's like the only thing that's stopping them is the tenderloin. Exactly. It's like you well, and and you can't really stop the tenderloin so unless far. you kick everyone out. And I think that there's enough of this idea of San Francisco that I mean, where the fuck? That's the thing is like when the Barbary Coast closed down, everyone. It's my my book. It's, it's called Alice Memoirs of a Barbary Coast Prostitute, and it's a it's about uh, all these prostitutes that are getting kicked out of the, of the, of, of the Barbary Coast. That's part of what the story is. Um, it's a memoir from 1913. I didn't write it. It was just something that I uh, discovered, me and my partner, Ivy Anderson. But, um, but their question was like, where does, where does, uh, where do you go? Where do you go? Well, you know, they spread about. And so now we're in this exact same fucking situation. Yeah, and they're just shuffling people around. Yeah, and so prevail. <laughs> and so we're, we'll have uh, you know this. There used to be a parking lot right back behind the warfield, mm -hmm. and that's where people were uh, parking their cars. Now they're going to build this huge, huge condos across the street from it. Is all SROs, and there used to be um, I can't remember. 
the bar on the corner, you weren't here during that. But I heard about, I was like, was it Lucky 13 or, so, or Frank's or some shit? Frank's. So Frank was like the bartender for everyone that worked at the Warfield would, could go there. And he's the kind of guy where you just like, he would just give you drinks and you would just give him whatever money. I mean, it was a real industry bar and it was a real neighborhood bar. Now, if you go by there, it's like, People take Ubers or Lyfts to the door. They go in. There's no like interaction. Yeah. In the meantime, is that, you the have, one, is that the one we have to like to get inside? I, I I've never gone in there because fuck that place. But I it went looks there like once it. because our old half manager who used to manage here, she um she knew the bartender who the bartender actually worked with us for a little bit. I'm not gonna say anybody's names, but it's literally the place you have to go in and go, and they let you in. And then close the door. There's no sign. There's no advertisement. Yeah. They don't sell beer. They don't sell shots. It's a cocktail. Like you, go, you have to come in there and order a cocktail. You couldn't ever like, dude. I just want a fucking beer and a fernet. <coughs> He's like, uh, I can make you a Toronto that has fernet. That type of shit is like, oh fuck. Like, uh, why do you want to be there? Catered to like some big techie condo, uh, the one L seven or whatever that's like on Eighth Street. You know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, whatever. Well, I was working at a Zucar lounge and they had like a special cocktail for their condo. And if you came in and said you were like lived in that area, like you got oh, this special cocktail. God. Yeah. It's just that's th- what the city people, has oh become. God. Right they there. call us snowflakes. I swear to God. <laughs> that's what the city has become. All right. So we're going to get a little dying. more, um, a little more, uh, a little more fun here. I want to talk about the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. But but the precursor on the Super Bowl, we had a story when we were doing pre-production. You once, because she's not a sports person, no. but you have a sports story for us. What did you do? Uh, I won a punt, pass, and kick award for flag football. So punt, pass, and kick is like a kid's <laughs> type of thing. Obviously, punting the ball, passing the ball, kicking the ball. Mm-hmm. And she won. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it was in a... A facility for children, troubled children. <laughs> hmm. Basically. <laughs> a troubled children's facility. Yep. That was my one sports accomplishment. Sounds like the war field. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're a bunch of fucking wayward kids here. <laughs> well, yeah. So, that's a pretty big accomplishment. Like, nobody's just running around winning punt, pass, and kicks. Uh, the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, which is a very racist ass uh, name for Andy a team, Reed? Andy Reid. He also won the punt, pass, and kick. Really? In like 1982, he was like six he foot must, four. He must have weighed a little less. He weighed a lot. Like, there's a video on the internet. Look it up for yourselves. I'll show Devin after this is over. But he skies and he's just he looks like a grown man, <laughs> and every other kid looks like they're like <laughs> fucking six. Wow. And he just throws the ball like 50 yards, and everybody's like, well, why are we even trying anymore? Yeah, yeah. that's true. Did you, you win every one? Uh, yeah, I just I had a little <laughs> certificate for it. I mean, I've always been like really athletic. I just never really gave a fuck about sports. Yeah. Like the other day, we had a cleaning shift here, and we had to go in the mezzanine and move the bars. I couldn't move the bar. I, I, I also was sick and sapped of energy. We had uh, old Michael, the bartender. Mm-hmm. He couldn't move the bar. 
And uh, who else was up there? It was also a Alex, very... Alex. Ruben. Ruben. You guys together couldn't move the bar. Yeah. And she just went back there alone. Just like ass was like... <laughs> she just literally just like got her... Like got her, she's like, hold on. Let me get up in there. Just like... Uh, and it's just all legs, these, dude. It's yeah. from cycling everywhere. And just move these big heavy ass full coolers <laughs> that have been fused to the floor from yeah. yeast leakage. Yep. For years, like the other, like when we had to, we had to, we had to get a bring a dolly upstairs yeah. to pry it in there. We're like thinking about <laughs> leverage. And yeah, like, and she's just like, yeah, you, just gotta, you just gotta get up in there. Well, there's That's a reason I'm the first female bar back in how long? Since I've been here, yeah. Now there, there was a bar back when I first uh, started working here that just quit. Yeah, that was just like a super badass. Um, I was hearing about her. But that was before I got. But yeah, actually, it's like three years yeah. probably, right? Not for the delicate. Yeah. Nope. You gotta have some muscle. Still can lift <laughs> kegs though. So she got she got the leg strength, not the arm strength. I can I can lift a keg a little bit. If you did I, not stack a keg alone. I can take it off of the other keg, but I probably couldn't lift it up onto another. She can keg. yet stack a keg on on her own. But also Kyle we'll couldn't either when he first started. This takes a little muscle memory. He'll be fine. Yeah, I'll get it. <laughs> All right, so uh, Super Bowl. I watched it. It was a snore fest. Devin, you watched it. How'd you feel about that? Well, let's, first let's, I, let's hear your thoughts. I didn't feel like I should have watched it. I think you pass that, me that uh, uh, high life around the corner from that right there. We're, right here where Freddy Krueger's laying on it. I can't see it. Oh, I see it. Oh, God. Ratatouille. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, R.I.P. to all the fucking animals over there. It's a good time They're for all me dead now. I don't have anything to say about Super Bowl. Sure. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just... Um, Where are you going? NFL is just. just you didn't even drink. The I know, I drink all the she quit drinking and she still has to pee like a racehorse. Um, but I did watch it. I don't know. I don't know why. I have. I, I. I very much dislike the Patriots. I don't really have any feelings about the Rams. But I watched it because I was at home. Because so, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I didn't go anywhere to watch it. But yes, I did watch it. Um, I thought it was a objectively. I thought it was a, a kind of interesting game. Why so? Let's hear, let's hear your thoughts on that. Because everybody else thought it was just horrible. Because you know the the way the game has been, it's all offense, offense, offense. Now I think I like defensive games. I do as well. Being and a Seahawks so fan, I thought. Um, but I felt like it wasn't even defense. I felt like it was just poor offense. Sh- yeah, although I also think that Bill Belichick is horrible of a human being as he is. It just called a. Um, a weirdly brilliant game. Did you hear what the other team said about him? No. They said, because they had supposed to have like the most genius, new, innovative coach, Sean McVay, and the players were saying, we have never seen anything that they did. Everything they did was brand new. Mm -hmm. We studied, because we're an NFL football team, studied, 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 and nothing that we studied, they threw at us. They had a whole new everything. Well, that they it, brought. It reminds me of the so Wade Phillips is the defensive yeah. coordinator of the Rams. Was the defensive coordinator with the Broncos when they beat Carolina? Yeah, and I think it's a similar thing where it's like Carolina didn't know what was going on, yeah. and I think it was a similar thing. Where it's like the Rams. I mean, it's the worst offensive performance in the history, I believe. I think it's tying the worst, but that's the worst. Yeah. Um, you know, especially and, so, and where the where the points have been now, like the record that they tied was from fucking forty, fifty years ago. Yeah. Who was even at the Super Bowl? 
Uh, <laughs> you mean who played? Yeah, who played? The Patriots of New England and the Rams of Los Angeles. Okay. And last yeah. year it was the Eagles and... And the Patriots. Okay. Who won this year? The Patriots. The Patriots. Oh, okay. They usually always win, except they lost to the Giants twice and they lost to the Eagles last year. Okay. But now Tom Brady has six Super Bowl rings. Do you know the... Oh, okay. I want to mention Vladimir Putin stealing oh. Belichick's... Or Not Belichick, Kraft's Robert Kraft's ring. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. So Vladimir Putin... It's, uh, it's, it's so worth it. He wasn't about. here, right? I think... Kraft went, did Kraft go there, or did he come here? No, I believe it was a diplomatic meeting. No, it was in America. Okay, it was and here. And so Kraft is friends with Trump and George W. Bush. And, and probably every other rich um, person in the world. Voldemort and a few other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a few other folks. He's a couple friends. But, um, yeah, he was at this uh, this this thing because he's a fucking friend of all these assholes, and and it was under W, and W was having these diplomatic issues with uh, with Putin, and Putin walked up and is right after they won, I believe, maybe the second Super Bowl. So this is like something like two thousand whatever yeah. early two thousands. Putin fucking said, "Can I can I see this?" And he took it. And never gave it back. He took, took, Super he Bowl took ring. the Super Bowl ring from <laughs> from, one of the, from one of the richest men in America. It's like, yeah, it's mine now. And, and what are you going to do about it? Just fucking punked him. For yeah. His ring. And he and then and then he asked W about it. George W. Bush. He's like, Putin just took my ring. And then George W. Bush was like, uh, things are a little delicate right now, yeah, so, so maybe just... let's not bring this up. Apparently, the fucking ring is like in a. It's like in a, it's on a little pillow. It's like a thing that you can see in Russia because he's like, "Fuck you." It's, I mean, that's how art has been, you know, acquired throughout history. Why not? Also, that's what we've been doing to every too. other country for the longest. Hey, yeah. you like that? It's ours yeah. now. Um, like <laughs> California, yeah. strong arm or all of oh America, all of the Americans. Would want to take those people from you? Would you? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Going back to the Edwardian ball colonialism. Yeah. Fuck you. you took this. All right, so now we're going to talk about video games. So I'm a video game player. I just found out right now, Voltron over here is also yep. a little bit of a gamer. <laughs> I'm not, so I'm going to run and pee as well, but that's, I will be back. That's fine. All right, we're going to put a stick a pin in that. Um, but I could talk about old video games. Oh, you're games going to talk about this. I, I, got, I got a question for you. Old guy. If he doesn't break his Pinot Grigio everywhere. <laughs> you can move it. You can move it. There we go. All right, so to preface this one more time as uh, Devin slides on now. I don't know how he's going to slide back in, though. All right. So video games. What are you playing right now? Uh, right now I'm playing Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite, which is very much like the Edwardian ball because it's all steampunk-themed. Uh, what are you playing this on? I'm playing the Infinite one on a PS3. Okay. At my dude's house and then the other one i'm just playing at my house on, kind of on an uh, xbox but it's like an xbox 360 game we got a ps4 too okay we got both of them <laughs> we shun xbox over here but go ahead go ahead yeah but i don't know it's weird it's a weird game because it's very like 
kind of like everything that he was saying that was wrong with the Edwardian ball is kind yeah. of what's wrong with this game. Like, it's like there's a lot of really racist shit in there. And I get that they're trying to, like, highlight that, like, oh, this is how it was. But, I've like, there's certain parts of the game where I'm just like, holy shit. So it's <laughs> I'm like, like, they're going there. It's like Quentin Tarantino. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you ever see that interview where he, like, s- trying to talk all hood? No, I don't think I want to. Oh, it was it was bad. Like his movies are okay, but I don't like that he has to say nigger. Yeah, no. He has to say nigger 55 times every movie. Yeah, he really yeah, he had, he had some like interview with B. And Samuel L. Jackson is like trying to say it's cool and shit. Yeah, that's kind of like, weird. If you have a period piece movie then, you know, fine. But even modern movies he's saying it. Every movie he's ever done, he said it like at least 30 times. Yeah. He's he's got a lot of weird stuff. You notice also every movie that he's done, he's like had to record someone's feet really up close because he's got some weird foot fetish thing. Hmm, I have nothing to say. Oh. Yeah, I don't have that feet fetish, so I don't I don't know anything about well, that. Well, it's like at the end of the day, though, Quentin Tarantino is just a huge freaking ripoff of Jack Hill. Anyways, I don't even know who that is. Jack Hill Hold is on, the we, one I told you about that we found don't, what? that discovered like Pam Greer. Um, oh, and uh, he talk, did a we're lot talking of, about like, Quentin Tarantino. If you have any thoughts on him. Would say, I don't like him. Are you familiar with like Jack Hill at all? No. He's basically the black exploitation like, king exactly. guy. He just, like, just move that out. Yeah, just move that. There we go. <laughs> we can always adjust. So what she was saying about, uh, she was talking about, where, how do we get in? Oh, um, we were talking the about the movie. I mean, the game she's playing has a lot of like racist shit. And it's like, okay, I know you're trying to do that, but you don't have to, you know, do that. And I was saying it's kind of like Quentin Tarantino. Who, no matter what the time of the movie is, he has to say nigger mm-hmm. 30 times in the movie. Well, it's also like he wants to prove that he's like a cool white guy. That's he's what she like, was saying. Like, he tried to sound all like he's talking yeah, all Yeah, did you ever hear that BET interview where he like straight up just changed the way he was talking? Like, it, it was, it's very bizarre. Like, I suggest watching so like it and cringing. like the opposite of Kanye West. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like he's like the, he's like now the white people's talks, Kanye West. Now he talks like he's <laughs> he was here. a fucking Edwardian ball uh, <laughs> attendee. Who I worked here. How'd that go? With Obama. What? Right? I wasn't here for that. Yeah, that's before you were here. Yeah. Obama had a fundraiser with, with Kanye. Kanye. Wow. And we all had to be like, uh, the times have changed. Fucking like, uh, Secret Service had snipers and shit. Wait, we this was at the be... Warfield? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In the so morning. Obama was here? Yeah. And Kanye was. Yeah. Did you make and any Obama, tip money that day? Um, Tsunami is a guy that used to work here. Heard about him. Yeah. Fucking grabbed Kanye and did a selfie. Apparently got in a lot of trouble. He's been fired. He doesn't work here anymore. Um, <laughs> And Obama made this joke of like, who would have thought, you know, he's like, he's like, Kanye can't win the presidency. Like who with a funny name from Chicago could be president, you know? Anyway, that's all very ironic nowadays. Yeah, it's extremely ironic. Um, Yeah, the Gold State Warriors were here. Mark Zuckerberg. Um, Damn, you say that's a lot of rich people. Now there's nobody here. And fucking Governor Brown. I mean, it was like... If a bomb went off in this building, it would take out an enormous amount of everything. Um, it was weird. It's weird that at all venues that would be at the Warfield. I was like, wondering I how the like fuck Bill they could Graham secure it. or some shit. Like, but no, like the they're like we're putting seriously. How the fuck do you secure it? I know. I mean, look at this building. I, I can't believe they choose this old building 
to have this really, really fucking Obama. They're just, they're just shuffling Obama in over somebody shooting up, like right in front of the Warfield, yeah. probably. Like, yeah. Anyway, going in through that back street exit. Like, that was a very what strange the fuck, thing. Dude. So, yeah, on the video game tip, uh, historically, <laughs> since you're not playing anything right now, what is your favorite video game or video game memory? It could be like an arcade or something as a kid. <sighs> Or anything, something you watched, something you saw, just a memory. All right, so let me tell you why I don't like video games. Okay, let's hear that then. And this is like a childhood memory. I have like a fear of heights, Mm -hmm. and I also like, I learned to ride a bicycle way later than people, and like was scared to ride down hills. I was a preemie. I think I have have issues with uh, adrenaline. I get spooked really easily. And so, like, games where you're, Excuse like, me. doing this was always stressed me out. It wasn't relaxing. wasn't fun. And so I watched my friends play video games a fucking lot. Like, I watched the entirety of Zelda played, and I enjoyed it. I always liked, like, reading fantasy books and stuff. So it's like, yeah, I, I, wa- I enjoyed watching my friends but play But being Zelda. in control of it was too stressful. Yeah. I get that about certain games. Probably I don't like the, the first, like, like shooting games and shit. Like, it's just too much. It's too much going on. I'm like, eh, I like slower games. I was a huge D&D nerd. So, like, I love all the game building. I mean, I love the world building. I love going into another place. I always have. And so, I, I like, like uh, what is it, Red, Red Dead Redemption yes. 2? I just finished that. I was, I've been watching, I like, I've seen, like, footage of it. Just, and the, 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 the game world just seems incredible Yeah, it's, it's never stopping. Like, they're, like, like, they're still finding shit on Grand Theft Auto V, which is the same company that makes these games, Rockstar. They're still finding secrets in that game that came out in 2012. Wait, I thought Red Dead Redemption was made by the same people that made like Fallout and no. Skyrim and shit. No, that's Bethesda. Uh, oh yeah, Red Dead Redemption no, is Rockstar. Is like, this is like the Western GTA, basically, right? Yeah. Red. Okay. Except yeah, like mind. GTA is like all about like just going causing havoc in the city. Yeah. You can't do that in Red Dead because you have like a, a good guy bad guy meter. So it's like a hat. You have a white hat mm-hmm. and a black hat. So you. Depending on how good you do in the game depends on how people treat you. So if you do favors for people, they'll find you in town and say, "Hey, man, I remember you saved my life that one time. Go in the store, whatever you want is it's on me. Put it's it on like my Fallout, tab." That's like in, in Fallout uh, Four, yeah, you you if you do fucked up shit, steal from people, yeah. piss off somebody in the town, like they all turn on yeah, you. Yeah, and they remember, and then yeah, type of, yeah, same situation. Okay, yeah, but, I really want to play but that one. Times. Eight thousand. Okay. Because every like they they take the, like they have so much money, they can take ten years to make a game like they just did. Yeah. But that's what makes a game like every two years because they just can't afford to take that type of time off. Go ahead, Devin. I was going to mention there are two the two games I remember the best because um, when I did play games when I was like a little kid and this was you know I'm forty three so it was Atari. You know, it was the very beginning of video games. Of course, you know, we went to the arcade. It's yeah. like you couldn't play good games at home. So you go to the arcade. And, of course, going to the arcade is a whole thing. Because, like, you're a kid, and then you have to, like, get on the bus to get to the arcade. And, of course, that's a whole adventure. And then you're at the arcade. And um, 
you know, when you play, to me, I remember games like Spy Hunter, Roust, and this is all stuff you can, like, play on your phone, I guess, now, you know? Oh, whatever. Yeah, you probably, yeah. But the two games I remember the most I had at home, Atari games, I think are two of the most notorious games because they sucked. Don't say E.T. Yes. Oh, shit, you had E.T. E.T. and <laughs> Superman. They're the two. Oh, they were yeah. just. Those are probably the most infamous games ever. As a kid, well, I, you know, now you're trying I see to figure why out you don't play video games. No, nah, I mean, it, they're both brilliant like examples of absurdism. You know, like this idea of absurdism. There's like absurdist literature I'm really into is from the 1950s after World War II. These writers that were just like seeing how fucking unbelievably f- fucked up the world was after World War II, after any sort of idea of like culture or morality just seemed completely useless and they wrote these absurdist plays absurdist novels um, Samuel Beckett Eugene Ionescu people I really am fond of um, people you can find at City Lights Books if, if anyone's interested there we all shout out City Lights Books which is the where's that at it's in North Beach on Columbus Broadway it's the great bookstore I've heard of it there. I've probably seen it they published like all the beatniks they published uh on Ginsburg's Howl, and uh, one of the great institutions of San Francisco. But like playing these video games was literally that experience because they don't make any sense. Yeah. But as a kid, they're supposed to make sense. Yeah. And it's like, and it didn't. It yeah. was just fucking impossible to play and also just mindless. Yeah. So, so it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like you're, as a kid, you're trying to figure it out. I mean, E.T. literally didn't make any sense. They made a game in two weeks, I think. Because the movie was coming out and they were like, fuck, we need a video game. Come on, somebody make And somebody was just like, they just put some shit together. Like, if I was well, like, you're supposed hey, to find these pieces? Make a fuck. Yeah. It had nothing to do with the movie. It's you, nothing to do with it. You could never find the pieces. And you kept falling to the thing. So as a kid, it's, you're, just like, you're yeah. just like working, you know, your one joystick and one button thing to try to make it work. Um, <laughs> Superman 2 as, as well. You just fly and you hit Krypton and you have to walk for a long time and you fly again. But... I played that shit for fucking hours. So <laughs> hours, probably months. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. What was your first game, Dexter? First game? Yeah. I say my first memory in life was playing <laughs> Super Mario Brothers around Christmas time because we had remember tree being in the living room, old big floor model TV, wooden and shit with the speakers and the knobs and shit. Playing Super Mario in the in the dark at nighttime, and there being just endless amounts of saltwater taffy with the Christmas tree on it. <laughs> I you and say I that, hate saltwater taffy. Hate it. That breaks your teeth. But I ate it because it was nothing else. <laughs> and I'm a kid. I want the sugar, right? So I'm just sitting there all night long. <laughs> that's fueling me to play fucking Super Mario. <laughs> so that ha- I, 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 that's probably the first video game I played. It wasn't my system. My first system was a Sega Genesis with Sonic the Hedgehog. My first game was Mortal Kombat on oh, Sega Genesis. Man. That's a great first game to have. Man, you got some pretty fucking game. dope parents. Yeah, it was it was some weird guy my mom was dating at the time. Even better. In some Roach Motel. Like <laughs> yeah. it was a weird it was a weird situation, but you know what? There was Mortal Kombat, so that's it was all okay. that matters, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That game that Fuck game yeah. and uh like Tomb Raider was like my first favorite game. Probably explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, you you're Laura Croft. Can I, can I ask you a question? Go ahead, Dex. Well, um, 
do you find video games having relevance? Like, is it a thing that is escape, or do you find it a thing that actually? I don't know about this. Well, I mean, it's an escape as as far as I can just tap into this. Like, okay, you know what? Done with work. Done with life. Mm-hmm. Let me just you know go in here and do my shit real quick. Like it's Red Dead. Let me go ride my horse. Mm-hmm. Got some objectives. Let me go save this lady real quick. Let me go teach this motherfucker how to fish. You know that type of shit. Mm-hmm. You know it's mm-hmm. it is escapism, definitely. I yeah. think. But wouldn't it be interesting if I mean you could really fuck fucking change some shit if you had some political video games though. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there are games that like have political messages. Like for instance, that game oh, I was them, talking yeah. about earlier that I'm playing right now, Bioshock Infinite. I think they had some kind of political message in that that maybe just went a little far. <laughs> I mean, also, like, I don't... Fallout, that's like, pretty... I remember, like, being in, like, the early 90s when Mortal Kombat was happening, and then when GTA and, like, Congress was like, fuck this shit, stop it, people are going to kill each other. This kid, sh- it strangled somebody, and it has to be because of video games. Like, I've never been that person. Like, I, like me, I, I started out playing a lot of sports games. Like, I was saying with my cousin over here, me and him would play fucking... Madden or NBA Jam or whatever fuck all night long and you know we didn't be like you know what about to make the league Nick tomorrow like you know it and then going shooting having a shooting game wasn't like oh man I'm about to go kill somebody like it never had that uh, I play the game after that I'm done with the game the game doesn't seep into me yeah, doesn't turn me into another person and maybe other people but to me that's it just entertainment just like a movie mm-hmm. not watching Die Hard and being like man I'm going to go fucking to L.A. and I'm going to save a, a tower, you know? No. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the people that, like, say video games inspired them to do some fucked up thing, they already had a blurred line of reality in the first place, yeah, you like, know? Yeah, like fucking Ted Bundy blamed all his shit on porn. Right. Yeah, I think more yeah. so the everybody whole, Everybody watches like... porn, but everybody's <laughs> not going out killing people. And he wasn't even fucking these people. He was fucking up dead bodies, like, weeks later. I didn't it's actually watch that yet. Uh, but more what I, I just was thinking of is um, it's just the the idea that you if like like these these open world games where you're interacting um, just like social media and having avatars and all this stuff yeah. is uh, you know this is new territory um, there's a whole new generation that's raised with these uh, two different identities. You yeah. Know? You're you and then you're, you're you Who online. you are online. <laughs> and and um, in some ways, you know, like especially if you're like a queer person in like Azerbaijan or something, that shit's going to save your life. Um, and in other cases, it's like, I, you know, it can stunt people's ability to be, I don't know. You know no, de- definitely. Yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of questions, but it's interesting that, Video game developers have the capacity to really shape a whole generation by yeah. what they do. And just like we're talking about, like, say, Quentin Tarantino. Just like movie. musicians. Um, it's interesting that I know, like, Gamergate was one of the things that brought the alt right into. What was that about? Gamergate? Gamergate was these. Um, Oh, people that play the, their video games on that streaming website, right? Uh, I'm not oh, sure what the, what the specifics of that that was, but it was it, was it was it was a bunch of um, 
like gamer like people on the internet. They were attacking um, like women and also people of color being video game um, creators that were creating what they called like social justice messages within games. And these were mostly like white, you know, like teenage boys that were, that were becoming politicized by this and it became a thing. And it's literally what the alt-right um, is partially coming out of. And this is before Trump. And so it's just interesting how. Yeah. I remember they had, um, there was the last Grand Theft Auto had a black guy in it. And I remember people being upset about it and not even being like, why a black guy? But it was like, why are you going to make us be a black guy? You know? And they're trying to make it, they're trying to find whatever the kind of avenue they could to be like, and it was like, well, every fucking video game character essentially has been a white man forever. And you have like four or five white women, but like you finally have a black guy and you're like, everybody's losing their fucking shit. And then Fallout 4, like mm -hmm. you're talking about, you could be anything. You could yeah. be a woman, a man, any color. You could make your whole everything. Mm -hmm. People were kind of like, whoa, what the fuck? And then South Park, they really doubled down on their game because there was like, if you pick a, a black character or a female character, you also be gay or non-binary. You could be fucking all this shit, right? And the mo the more random or rarer in society, I can't. I don't know the fuck where I don't want to say anything that offend anybody. But the more like, if you were black, the game was harder. If you're a woman in black, the game was twice as harder. So that's Not how you picture really. difficulty. And th that they did that when they were showing like all the industry people, and then of course when the game came out, they were like, "Yeah, not quite." What really is they're going, they're going to mention it in the game, mm -hmm. and they're going to make fun of people who make fun of this shit. So, interesting. Yeah. So like as it was getting more and more people were like, people were coming up in arms about having to be a black character in this game. I've been waiting for this game for fucking four years and hearing about it, and you're know, maybe be a fucking black dude. What the fuck, right? And so South Park's like. All right, we're gonna fucking we're gonna put this shit out there right in the public, and then once the game comes out, everybody's think like, oh shit, if I'm gonna be fucking if I'm gonna be a black woman, the game's four times harder or sixteen times harder than. But they were like, nah, not really. We're just joking. But people are gonna mention that shit, and they're gonna mm -hmm. fucking make fun of your stupid ass. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's just another form of creativity and entertainment and all that good shit. All right, so we are getting a little longer in the tooth here. We're gonna go to the new situations. We got some funny, wacky, sad, I don't know. It's a lot of shit we're going through here. So number one, first story. Don't look. <laughs> Headline. Texas man died after vape pen explosion severed artery in his neck. <laughs> I'm going to read a couple sentences of this. A Fort Worth man died last week after an electronic cigarette he was using exploded, cutting a major artery in his neck according to the Tarrant County Medical Examiner. William Eric Brown, 24, died January 29th at John Peter Smith Hospital due to penetrating trauma from an exploding vaporizing pen, the medical examiner said. Nothing sharpnel, no, noting shrapnel from the blast severed his left carotid artery. You shouldn't be vaping inside. What does inside have to do with anything? <laughs> he could have been in a fucking car in the woods. Mode. That's what it is. <laughs> what? That dude was probably vaping inside some mall, blown in somebody's face. 
Exploded? Jesus, no. that's harsh. I'm kidding. My God. Everybody <laughs> send all your bad karma to her. All your <laughs> all your voodoo. I have a little sympathy. For Brown's grandmother, Alice Brown, his grandmother, said he told her he was going out to buy some vaping products. He said, I'll be right back, Granny. <laughs> Brown was sitting in his car in front of a vape supply store in a 45th hundred block of Golden Triangle when his pen exploded, Alice Brown said. An employee at the store said Brown never entered the store and declined to comment. Of course he did. <laughs> we didn't tell him that. He never came in. Dang. That's pretty fucked up, right? I mean, I've heard about phones exploding in your pocket, and I've even heard about the vape pen shit. Like, I just heard about someone's earbuds exploding in their ear oh, and killing somebody. Thanks. No, there's, I really did. I, I saw some story on that. There's yeah, also, I'll be a martyr. There's also Fine. like decades of like the tobacco industry, like fucking silencing people about tobacco being bad for you. Yeah. So, I mean, now he just. Done. This is also just like just symbolic to what tobacco again, does to you in the long run. But it's also once again this is just like vice and like people people um I've always like for example, like San Francisco, you know, shut down having um menthol and flavored yeah, tobacco products. Flavored, yeah. mm-hmm. Fuck that. I think that that's bullshit. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, it's supposed to be geared towards the kids. But all the kids, they want the peach flavored swisher. We gotta stop it. Yeah. So Yeah. No. Um the fact that this happened to this guy is a bummer, but um it doesn't mean that. It's you a should. bummer, man. Speaking of the fucking uh the dude coming back. The big Lebowski part two. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's also what he said. It's a bummer, man. It's also <laughs> a bummer that that many um Famous people had commercials for that fucking Super Bowl. That was ridiculous. All that money could have been pent to putting people in uh, houses instead of being on the street. R.I.P. Eric, oh, William Eric Brown, who died of a vaporizer. All right, next story. Rapper 21 Savage was detained by ICE. I heard about that. Wasn't he deported? They're talking about deportation. I'm guessing they have to go through some hearings and everything. Where is he from? Supposedly he's from the United Kingdom. Even though he Wait, said he's from Atlanta fucking... for the last, <laughs> what, four or five years. I don't know how long he's been out. Here's what the news article says. 21 Savage was arrested yesterday morning, February 3rd, by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement for allegedly being in the United States illegally. Though he's long been associated with Atlanta, the hip-hop hub that spurred his career and growth. Ice claims that the rapper, whose real name is Shaya Ben Abraham Joseph, that's probably why they got him, is actually a UK citizen and has overstayed his visa for more than a decade. This is just Trump trying to fucking cover his tracks. Well, supposedly a few (laughs) nights before that, he was on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and had a song with a lot of political messages in it. Oh, retaliation. He's he's made those record companies... uh, a little mad, and this is how they get back at him, possibly. I believe that. How do you feel about that, Devin? It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's what I said. Before they, before he came out and, and finally had a chance to admit that he was from the UK, everybody was like, oh, you know, they, they can get anybody. Because I guess they've had cases before where like, people who are from here, they just swoop you up and, what the fuck are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, that isn't that, like, visa issues is why that one band that was supposed to open for ministry didn't even play. Carpenter Brute. Yeah. Yeah. Visa issues, exactly. 
Yeah, you know that wall Same goes with, um, further around, you know, around all America. The, I don't know. Did you see uh, Roma, the film? No. God, it's, it's, it's up for a bunch of Academy Awards. It's an unbelievably beautiful film. Um, it's, a, it's a Mexican film. The, um, it's starting to sound a little familiar. Go ahead, though. The star of it is, is this um, indigenous woman who has never acted before. Um, just, but one of the, her co-star has been refused a visa to come to the Academy Awards. Wow. Well, if I was her, I would even, I would say the fuck away from here. Even though that sucks. But yeah, you don't I mean this to... is this is this guy. I think that she is coming. I'm not sure. Oh, it's but a guy. This guy that okay. is the co star at least if that's um, horrible isn't coming. Um What a time to be alive. Yeah. But you know, also it's like I mean, how many fucking British actors are in Hollywood that aren't black that well, know, we're gonna talk about one very soon. He's not well, he's from Scotland? Ireland? Ireland. Yeah. No. Who? Couple stories from here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talking about yeah. Liam. There you go. How'd you know? <laughs> All right, next story. Come on, I'm not giving you any money, US, today. All right. Hawaii lawmakers want to say goodbye to cigarettes forever. Hawaii is trying to raise the age requirement to 30 in 2020 to smoke 30. cigarettes. 40 in 2021, 50 in 2022, and 100 by the year 2024. This is like it's like taking guns away from people. They're just going to become so a fucking funny. black yeah. market. For I mean, this you shit. know how much cigarettes are going to cost in fucking Hawaii? It's going to be like also, prison, dude. Like we're going to be out here fucking trading look favors at Prohibition, for. They're going to be packing cigarettes high. in their ass on the flights out there. Like yep. we're sitting right now in a place where Prohibition was serving. Illegal booze. Yeah, we are literally yep. in the speakeasy. Exactly. In what nineteen? What is it? Twenty? What was it twenty? What was um, late late teens until nineteen thirty? What two? Yeah. So a hundred years ago, you couldn't get liquor in this country, but if you came to the war field, if you knew somebody, if you went, <laughs> come on in and get you a fernet. Where we where we fucking pack kegs, and around this area, it's all storage. There's like. All these amazing mosaics. For net. Um, Devin, do you have any historical uh, thoughts on Fernet? You mentioned something earlier. Uh, yeah, we're just, um, mainly just, I, I'm not sure, but Fernet, just like all distilled liquors, was uh, originally medicine. Yeah. You know, and eventually. I, I, I think the story somehow, at least what I've heard, this may not be true. I've tried to look it up, but I can't remember anything anymore. So supposedly this slid under the radar during Prohibition and you were still able to use it as a tonic. I've even read some weird shit. I don't exactly know how this works, but that they had they had these dissolvable balls of concentrated wine that you could oh. put into water that would... Would turn it into wine? That would uh, expand and, yeah. Damn, Jesus. <laughs> this is These are historical, like... No one's seen them yeah. anyway, but people talked about. And that, but interestingly, though, like um, I've also heard this story. I'm not sure if it's true, apocryphal story. But Al Capone apparently tried to have offices at the Warfield to That's try to. Like I say, he he was trying to do well, something with Fernet. Well, no, he was trying to muscle in. I mean, you know, 
Al Capone organized crime during Prohibition. Their whole thing was booze. Yeah, moonshine. And he didn't he 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 didn't succeed because San Francisco has never been a Prohibition city. It's always been a Catholic city. It's always been a, like San Francisco is the most booze friendly city. Um, the mayor before that, this guy uh, Rolf. I'm trying to think of who was mayor during Prohibition. There's different mayors, but here. Yeah, in San Francisco. But he was like a bon vivant. He was from the mission. He would drive around with um, famous um, madams from brothels next to him. Like San Francisco just never could be controlled by organized crime in that way with booze because San Francisco never really had to deal with that kind of prohibition. uh, Have you ever read the book You Can't Win before? Yes, the, my my the book I'm working on right now is the unpublished book of Jack Black, who wrote that. Are you serious? Yeah, that's amazing. But I, I just remember that there's like a portion of You Can't Win where he talks about these like old, not necessarily wine bars, but places where like winos would go drink wine all day, sleep on the floor, wake up, drink more wine. Some of them would die. Like what was that within the tenderloin? No, or? that was the Barbary Coast. Okay, I figured when you were talking about that, I was wondering. No, he's when he's talking about that. That's like the 1890s. Okay, so that's like way prior yeah. to that point. Okay, but he was around. He wrote that in uh, 1926. Yeah, because I thought I thought it was in the 20s or so. Because it was when he was like working at the the library. San Francisco Bulletin. Yeah, there we go. That's interesting. Yeah, wow. that's my. I I am working right now on. He has a memoir that his lost book. I'm publishing that right now. Wow. That's fucking, that's really cool. Cause yeah, funny, I, I can't believe that you just mentioned that. Yeah, no, that's funny. Because, like, well, there was a lot that you were saying that kind of, like, reminded me of that book, in a sense. It's basically, Dexter, it's like this book about a really famous hobo. He's a lot more Oh, yeah, he's, that, always, but... he, he's always talking about yeah. Yeah. Jack Black. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's, how they were, like, write some shit over here, like, some graffiti-type shit. It's called Monikers. Like, yeah. The, the, hey, it's what Hobo Mark, Jim was here, and this is where I'm going, and this is what yeah, I was doing. And it's I'm going still with, something that lives on within, with like... Bumleg, Johnny. Yeggs. Yeggs. Yeah, Yeggs. Yeah, exactly. Like, the in Yeg Chinatown, because that's where it originated, right? In Chinatown, the, they would call them Yeggs. I'm trying to remember exactly what they had said in the book about that part. That's, that's, that's hella interesting, though. It was like their social media. I suggest that book. Like, it's really interesting. And it's 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 an easy read. There's also by AK Press uh, that I really like, Bad, the autobiography of, of James Car- J- Jimmy Carr. Uh, or is it James Carr or Jimmy Carr? James Carr. It, it was like George Jackson's right-hand mm-hmm. man. I don't even know who that is. George Jackson was uh, the... He... he was a big in in the Black Panther movement within the prison industry. Oh, okay. He basically was a yeah, famous memoir. Yeah, like badass memoir. It, it it's really interesting. Yeah, he was a crazy dude. Did a lot of good things and and made it. He he was. What did he go to jail for? He got arrested for like some petty larceny or something, and he spent ten years in prison for some really petty larceny. Mostly because he was such like an influential mem- influential member of the Black Panthers, yeah, and the Black Panther. so they just wanted to keep him incarcerated and quiet. But kind of turned against him because he was like a big part of like the prison revolutionary movement. I guess that sounds about right. Yeah. All right. So I have to pee hella bad, so I'm gonna we're gonna zoom through this last one right here. Mm-hmm. We just kind of uh, talked about this guy, Liam Neeson. So. Uh, 
famous actor. Uh, he has gotten to some shit over the last couple of days because he had an interview. And he said after a friend was raped, he wanted to kill a black man. That's not his exact quote. But um, his exact quote was worse. Yeah. Uh, here's some here's some quotes from him. Uh, she handled the situation of the rape in the most extraordinary way, he said. But my immediate reaction was, I asked, did she know who it was? No. What color were they? She said it was a black person. Neeson continued, I went up and down areas with Akash, hoping I'd be approached by somebody. I'm ashamed to say that. And I did it for maybe a week, hoping some black bastard would come out of a pub and have a go at me about something, you know, so that I could kill him. Wow. Yeah. And uh, he declined to name the victim and withholds details to protect their anonymity. It took me a week, maybe a week and a half to go through that. He continues. She would say, where are you going? And I would say, I'm just going out for a walk. What's wrong? No, 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 it's nothing. The interviewer gives every indication that Neeson is conscious of the gravity of what he is saying. She quotes him as saying, it was horrible, horrible when I think back that I did that. And I've never admitted that. And I'm saying it to a journalist. God forbid. His breath reportedly trembles as he continues. It's awful, but I did learn a lesson from it when I eventually thought, what the fuck are you doing? So, yeah. Uh I don't, that, that was just bizarre. Now, I remember him from a f- couple years ago. He was in an interview for, what is it, Taken is his movies that he's always mm-hmm. in, Taken. And um, obviously, I guess he Which likes Which I to, think are really racist movies. I've way. never seen them. I don't really watch a lot of movies. They're but super racist. It wouldn't surprise me. So in this uh, interview, they're asking him some shit. I guess he likes to talk about random things. So they're asking him about... Um, Actresses pay compared to actors, women in the same industry as men making a lot less. And he said it was horrible and it was awful. And, you know, something's got to be done about that. Like, you know, these, he's like, he's like, he's a lot of great actresses and they're not getting their fair due, right? I'm almost, this is almost word for word. So the interviewer goes, Oh, so are you willing to take a pay cut? And he goes, No. That's a, that's an amazing, uh, he, he went, No. Like he's no, no, because like this, this, this other. Uh, I watched Dan Libertard show, and they're always quoting that whenever somebody's like saying no, they just say they hit the little sound, go, no, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so after that, he says, no, 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 no. He said, yeah, that that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. He's like, something's be done, but no, 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 that. <laughs> but not now. Not you're being money. preposterous. How dare you? Right? I'm not giving my money up. Somebody needs to give him the money. Not me. And so now he's talking about he wants to... What the fuck is Akash? I imagine Akash is some sort of... Knife? Well, some fucking British slang. Uh, It might be a knife. Although knives are fucking legal, so maybe. It also might be some sort of like... Billy stick or some shit. So I was thinking like like a fucking... (coughs) Like something you beat the shell somebody with or like a knife. And he wants to go around trying to find a black bastard because... And, he, and some and woman he, said she was raped by. A and black he says man. this in an interview. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's He's fucking. Just, yeah, take it. And take he this. says, "I'm not racist." Yeah. I was going through. I'm not racist, but. But yeah, yeah. No. So I think I, I had that reaction a lot when when I had the break in at my house. Um, 
a lot of people from back home at Reno are like, oh, it's because you live in Oakland. Like, you need to get You're a gun. Like, I'm like, no. I'm like, no. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm like, no. I'm like, have it anyway, bro. <laughs> Um, I think it's really illustrative, actually. Um, like, the fact that you don't think you're racist doesn't fucking mean that you're not part of racism, you know? And I think that him saying he's not racist is fucking ridiculous. No. No. <laughs> you know? I mean, the fact that I'm like, <sighs> a, a, I don't consider myself racist, but I'm part of racist shit all the time just because I'm a fucking white dude that has privilege. You know, it's like, you just have to have a fucking certain understanding. This guy does not. He doesn't have it at all. And his, okay. Just, he was talking about, well, you know, I come from the troubles and I'm I'm from all this, you know, I, you know, it's yeah. like he's trying to make it seem like, I'm cool, don't worry about it. Is he a Trump mm. supporter? I feel like probably. No, pro- no, no. I, <laughs> I think he, no, he's a liberal. But, okay, so take in this, this movie. Sure. The plot of it, just quickly, is that he's an XCA agent whose daughter is taken, and he has to go find her, and he's having problems with his wife. I, I, I only know this because this movie pissed me off so much. It, was, it used to be a film production, so I projected it. And he saves her, and he also gets his daughter... A, an audition or something or meeting with this big pop star. It literally seemed like a fucking like fever dream of a guy that's going f- through a divorce with his fucking kid. You know, it's like, and then he's the good guy and then he saves the daughter from that bitch mom and her like rich husband. Literally, it's like, it was like watching the fucking fever dream of some guy that's pissed off over a, uh, a divorce. That's what the film is. He's done three of these. And he has no problem with it. Every film he is in, he plays a vigilante that's going after people. Yeah, they're saying in Cold Pursuit, Neeson plays a snowplow driver named Citizen of the Year by his hometown who goes on a bloodthirsty spree exactly. after his son is killed by drug dealers. <laughs> exactly. This is ridiculous. So I know he was in a uh, fucking. Well, he's in Star Wars. In the Batman movie. Oh, he, wasn't he Obi Wan Kenobi? No, he was uh, his. Mentor. Who was he in the Batman movies? Uh, what's what's Obi Wan Kenobi's? Uh, oh fucking Ewan McGregor. Yeah, whatever the fuck his name was. Yeah, in the Batman movies, in the in in the in the he wasn't in Batman. The Batman Begins, and then uh, the Dark Batman Begins. He was the, like, yeah, he was the guy who like, wasn't he? I don't think so. Well, who the fuck else was it? <laughs> the guy who what? <laughs> in my mind, it looks just like him if it wasn't him. Whatever the case. <laughs> Gary Neeson, fuck off. I don't even know what the fuck yeah. Gary Oldman looks like. Yeah, you, yeah, that's they're the same guy. They're both conservatives too, so fuck both of them. All right, so in the last story, this is hilarious and kind of sad. Okay. You ready for this? Man who has never cleaned his penis. 24-year-old who claims to have slept with 40 women tells TV doctors investigating his foul smell. He didn't know he was supposed to wash it. The Real- fuck is this motherfucker from? Like, <laughs> he's American, that's for sure. The man known only as Zach claims to have slept with over forty lasses. Visited the sex clinic, filling his penis failed him when he could not finish. Examination revealed a serious case of smegma, buildup of cells and oil. A twenty-four-year-old bartender, isn't that ironic? 
uh, has admitted to never cleaning his penis. The man not only has Zach claimed that. This guy's like a walking yeast infection. Have girls throwing themselves at him and has bedded over 40 lasses. Despite having sex for years, Zach visited Dr. Naomi Sutton on E4's hit show, The Sex Clinic. This is also a reality show. Uh, after feeling his penis had failed him when he became unable to finish due to his foreskin being too tight. He even thought his penis may still be growing with his foreskin being unable to keep up. But an examination by Dr. Naomi revealed Zach had a serious case of smegma, built up of dead skin, oil, and moisture, which was making his foreskin too sensitive to pull back. Zach, who was also admitted to having a host of STIs, told the medic he was unaware he was meant to clean down below. Uh-oh, the video's popping up. I don't want to hear or see that. Uh, Zach visited the clinic complaining of having a nasty smell as well as pain and irritation at the tip of his penis for the past six to nine months. <laughs> he first met with Nurse Sarah, who he told after intercourse he asked to untuck his foreskin behind his shaft. Although sometimes easy, Zach admitted... He would spend days trying to position his foreskin back into place. When he questioned whether his penis was enlarging, Sarah said, I think you stopped growing now, babe. It sounds like we found patient zero. What does that mean? <laughs> the original clap. <laughs> I mean, he's only 24 and he's a bartender. Oh my God. But yeah, he's a black guy with an afro. In case any women out there, they didn't say where he's from, but his name is Zach. Stay you the could smell this guy coming. For, like. Stay the fuck away from him. How the fuck you don't know how to clean your dick? Not know how to, but didn't know you're supposed to. Man. I have read something earlier say so he thought he was supposed to wash the shaft in the balls. This is what happens when you don't Not sign off for your child to go to sex ed people. That's pretty fucking bad. Man. So yeah, Zach has infected more people than... uh Yeah. This is what happens when you let the church tell you that you can't (laughs) teach your kids about this shit. Yeah, true enough. I mean, if you look at the history of uh, sexuality with women, I mean, idea of like having any sort of idea about sexuality with women was just so taboo that people, I mean, especially women didn't know how their shit worked. Yeah. You know, until like the early 20th century. Yeah. If that. And so this is an example of like. Yeah, King of the Hill, that the shitty cartoon really hit on that <laughs> topic. I like mean, sexual oppression. What if he. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't fucking know. I don't know. I don't know where to start with that. Yeah, or end with rough. that. <laughs> how yeah. do you not know how to clean. That's that's the, that's the last one. You, you, that's yeah. this is it. You're you're gonna leave us with that. I'm leaving you <laughs> with, with this. <laughs> wash your dicks, children. Please wash Please. everything. That's the whole point. <laughs> everything. You don't just be like, I'm gonna wash my nose, not my mouth. I ain't brushing my teeth. No, <laughs> blow your nose, brush your teeth, clean in your ears, wash the gunk out of your eye, wash your hair. That's true. And then wash your dick. Right. Wash yeah. your dick. Something I think that's smells. A, I think that's, that's a, a fine, that's a sign. Uh, Go ending see message. your doctor. <laughs> yeah, the smell, the buildup, the sensitivity, the pain. Something should have tipped him off six to nine months sooner than he went should to the clinic. I don't know, dude. I've worked with some smelly-ass people Bang. where you have to wonder. You're like, do you bathe? <laughs> oh, they might not, but I mean... But like in another thing, like some people don't have the option to bathe, so... Zach said he cleans the shaft of his penis and his testicles, but worries... 
beneath the foreskin is too sensitive for him to scrub with a flannel and some soap. A flannel? Dang it. It's also in a, a single flannel? quotation. He's just washing himself. He is determined to practice better genital hygiene going forward. Well, that's. We're ending on a positive. There we go. All right. Zach's <laughs> possibly learning how to clean moving, his dick. He's now. Moving, moving on. He's, he's 24 and he's, and he's had sex with 40 lasses. Mm-hmm. And he's just now learned to clean the thing. <laughs> Did you have sex with 40 lasses by 24? Hell nah. Hell no. Nah. Wow. If, I mean, if I did, then I definitely... I mean, I wouldn't have this problem. You must be a charming motherfucker. He said they were throwing themselves at him. He's a bartender. He's There's 24 also, and his name's this Zach. This is a quote. Yes, a quote. And it's also a reality show. Well... Like- you clicked Sounds it. Like we clicked it. We're I, talking about I it. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. What is smegma? That's uh, on the computer right there. What is smegma? Smegma is a cheesy looking substance that can build up in a man if a man does not wash his penis every day. It is a natural lubricant that keeps the penis moist and is found on the head of the member as well as beneath the foreskin. It allows, if allowed to build up, smegma can smell, prevent easy foreskin movement, become a breeding ground for bacteria. And it can also lead to redness and inflammation of the head of the penis, known as balanitis. <laughs> balanitis. <laughs> Sounds like a good name for a band. There you go. If you want to start, hey, we got four people here. Yeah, yeah. All right, we got, we I got can play it. the bass. Balanitis. Who, who, who's drums? There's great acoustics in that uh, lo- uh, room. There's a drum, the this drum machine in there. <laughs> I can play spoons. Spoons. <laughs> All we need, what, did, what is that? Is that a honey bun? <laughs> no, we're asking you where you're going to play, man. He's playing a honey bun. He's what playing a honey play, bun. Man? Well, you see, he's playing a rapper. I think I got him contact you high. He should, be, he should be at high high. He smokes a lot of weed. Did you guys ever talk about the shit. burner cookie show, speaking of being contact high? We did, yeah. God. Holy fuck. I can't remember which show that... Which episode? I had to was. drive to Reno immediately after that, and I like I smoke a lot of weed, and I didn't smoke any weed that night, and I was higher than I think I'd been. In Do you remember how high I was? Time. Yeah, you weren't making any goddamn sense. I was like, Dexter, we need water. I don't fucking water. Like I'm like, what? I was lit, <laughs> and I've worked that show three times, but I was way higher because I haven't. I don't smoke that much anymore. Some motherfucker came up to the bar like right when we first started with like a baseball sized blunt. I was just like, you need a fucking blowtorch to light that thing. Now, see, back in the old days, they could have smoked that shit like it was no problem. Now they're like, hey, don't let anybody smoke weed at your the bar. The fire don't alarms serve were going off the whole it's like, show. like, dude, don't serve him. Everybody here has weed. That was it's like, okay, don't serve anybody. Regime, got right? it. Yeah. wonder, can you imagine now? We got some blunts, or not blunts, but we got little pre-rolls yeah. in our tip jar that night. And we made hella money that night. I think me I and... We haven't Marcia made a hell of money. Walked with like two hundred each. <laughs> it's a relative term now. Okay, hell of money for here. It's like seventy three dollars. That used to be like one hundred and ninety five dollars. Yeah. No, that night we I think we made like two hundred bucks each. It was pretty good. Where were you at? The kitchen bar. Exactly. We probably made one sixty. Probably had four bar bar bags too. Probably made like one thirty five. Yeah. R.I.P. The good days. Right. All right, we're out of here. Industry special, like I said, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, 
industry special podcast at gmail patreon.com slash well hopefully she's going to go on there and give us at least a dollar <laughs> since she's talking that shit shit i give this place my blood sweat and tears that's all you get one dollar i've given you <laughs> i'm kidding a job i'll give, I'll give you a dollar <laughs> patreon.com slash industry special literally you can give me a dollar that's all i need i don't give a fuck i don't even need the money i just want the fucking just give me the fucking love the analytics I want it to look like <laughs> if everybody gives a dollar <laughs> I'll be on Spotify in no time, motherfuckers. All right, so thanks to Devin here. True. Barback, author, musician, historian, <laughs> cat dad, all <laughs> the above. <laughs> Veronica, a.k.a. Voltron, bartender, barback. Anything uh, else? What else are you? Strong woman. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> Fucking cooler mover professional. <laughs> yes, all that good shit. Uh, that's it. Uh, peace, everybody. Bye. Cheerio. Cheerio, mate.